Well, we're going to jump into Proverbs chapter 7. Um, it's, uh, it's a little bit different, but it's talking about staying clear and pure in our relationships between men and women. And Solomon, of course, is talking to young men, and he is encouraging them to be wise and have understanding. And uh, so why is it? Why is it that Solomon in chapter 5, chapter 6, here in chapter 7, seems to be so repetitive in his admonition uh, that we walk in purity before God? Well, just like it is now, so it was then that uh, this was a problem back then as well as now. Uh, the devil was alive and active back then as well as he is now. And uh, we know that in America in the last 50 years, sin has abounded. Okay, I won't go there to what happened last Sunday night. I'm just, I'm not going to even go there, all right? But uh, it just is a, um, a desensitizing of a culture and a, a uh, 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 pushing down to where there is anything goes, anything is accepted, that people are conflicted in their cultural values. On one hand, they're saying things are wrong, and then on the other hand, they're celebrating it. So anyway, we're living in a time where uh, the enemy wants to take advantage of culture, all right? And he wants to invade the church also. So we're going to be on the guard. Say amen, everybody. And so even though Solomon is talking mostly to men guarding themselves against the woman with the immoral words and the uh, look of, of uh, um, allurement, then at the same time, I would say, as we, of course, know, that uh, on the other hand, Ladies, we probably know that men today are more responsible for the seduction of the opposite sex than women are even toward men. I don't want to get in a battle of, or here, but uh, I'm just saying, all right? It just seems like men are hunters and uh, they see someone and they start hunting and going after that person at work and wherever else, at work and with words and um, all kinds of things so that to draw that person in. All right, so let, well, we feel like praying almost again, but all right, we'll, we'll jump into chapter 7. You may not need this at all, but you're going to know somebody, and you're going to come across the path of somebody that needs it, all right? So here's the introduction, chapter 7, rely on the wisdom in times of temptation. So Solomon is instructing his, uh, those men or those that he is teaching, those students, he is instructing them in wisdom because he is saying, you're going to be tempted, it's going to happen, and I want you to be ready when it happens. Now, I, I read this in Solomon or in uh, Proverbs. I read this, and Solomon was so keenly aware that this was a needed, strong lesson to future leaders. And it just hit me. I went to Bible college, and they never, ever presented a class where what to do. 
They never told us we might be tempted in ministry. Um, I, I kind of got the picture. It was all going to be glorious and uh, wonderful. Uh, everybody was going to love Jesus and love each other with all of our heart, soul, and mind and strength. It was just going to be wonderful. But I got into ministry to discover also, just like these young men did, and just like you have discovered, that there are temptations that come our way. Um, when, even before I was married, I won't go into detail, but uh, even before I was married, I came to a little church called Faith Assembly on Goldenrod Road, and uh, as a young married man in my early 20s, um, this married woman said to me that she looked at me and she said, I just want you to know I, I, I like you or have feelings, and I'm like, Boy, you know, the weather today is really nice. Um, what do you say? They never told me in Bible college. One day, guys, uh, this is going to happen. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, okay, uh, maybe we should pray about this. Uh, no, I didn't say that. There's some things you don't pray about, all right? So, and that's one of them. Uh, and so I avoided what I had just heard. I acted like I did not even hear. I was deaf, and I could not hear her, and my mind was absolutely at that moment just uh, in a daze because I could not believe what I had just heard. And so I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to respond. Here is Solomon saying to students, I'm going to show you how to respond. I'm going to show you how to get through those times. And of course, thank God, I got through it. And I didn't say and turn to them and say, well, maybe I have feelings too. I mean, dear God, have mercy. If I had said the wrong thing, made the wrong move, I probably wouldn't be here right now, right? And so you think about the turn of events in your life where something happens, and if you don't say the right thing and do the right thing, you're, you just mess up your whole life, and everybody can say amen to that one, all right? So that was a puny amen, all right? But uh, yes, we, we say amen. God, help us to always say the right thing and do the right thing. Amen? amen? All right, we're on the same page. All right, rely on wisdom in times of temptation is what Solomon was teaching his students. Wisdom equals skillful living. Wisdom equals skillful living in every aspect of our life. Here I am up here and just hit me. Alice, you probably didn't even realize it. Um, um, just in case you noticed, all right? You didn't notice, but I just realized something. Last night, my finger was hurting, my ring finger, and I took my ring off and put it on. Uh, I am married, okay? Anyway, and so uh, let's run home right afterwards, get the ring, all right? But... I don't know where it's at, but all right, on the countertop. But uh, anyway, um, wisdom equals skillful living. Just in case somebody looks up there and says, Pastor's not wearing a ring. What happened? All right, so nothing happened, all right? Wisdom equals skillful living. It involves skillful living by wisdom involves discipline. Discipline. 
A serious command of the Word of God is discipline. We bring our bodies under subjection. We bring our minds, our thoughts under subjection. Then, not only discipline, but there is discernment. Discernment. We are to discern. Uh, years ago, uh, in the Christian church, it was more often thought that discernment had to, had to just deal with you discern when something was evil. No, you don't just discern when something may uh, be evil, but you also discern when something is good. Um, and you also discern when something is good, but not in this particular place. So discernment works on all kinds of levels. And so we are to have discernment by the Holy Spirit of God. All right, so discernment comes by the Spirit of God. Then he says, wisdom equals skillful living when you have understanding. So we have to have understanding. And then uh, letter D, prudence. Prudence or one who is cautious. If you and I are going to skillfully live in this world or live successfully in this world, we are going to do so with discipline, discernment, understanding, prudence, which is we are cautious. We are cautious. We're not swept away with the latest uh, thing going on, whether it's in the church or outside the church. We're not swept away. We're not to be children, but we are to be men and women and respond accordingly. Prudence, one who is cautious. Uh, it brings to mind a verse in Ephesians, and I don't even have it on the screen. Ephesians 5 Verse 15, it says this in the uh, New King James. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly. See then, here is Paul writing in Ephesians 5, 15. He says, see then that you and I walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as Wise. In other words, walking circumspectly means that we are paying attention to what's going on around us. We are observing what's happening around us, and we're staying away from those things that would pull us away from God, and we're, we're cautious, we are circumspect, we are careful of the consequences. We are careful of the consequences. And then, wisdom equals skillful living or successful living by knowledge, having the knowledge of God. And uh, it becomes imperative that we read the word, we study the word, we hear the word, the word gets into us. All right, let me read you some scripture found in Proverbs chapter seven, verse five, and it reads, my son or my student, uh, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye, the center of your affections, the focus of your, your compassions, all right? And so keep them as the apple of your eye. And how many of you know you're the apple of God's eye? Aren't you glad you're the apple of God's eye? So you're the center of his attention. 
Bind them on your fingers, Solomon says. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your nearest kin. All right, that they may keep you from the immoral woman or, can I say, the immoral man, from the seductress who flatters with her words, with his words. There is no question. There may be somebody in this building right now, somebody at your job tomorrow will use flattering words uh, to sway you, to make you think thoughts that take you into an area you should not go in your mind. Uh, and they are using words just like the seductress flatters with words. Uh, all right. And I've, how many times over the years have I said it? So for everybody here that's working outside the home and all you housewives, you are, you got a full-time plus job working at home. And if you work another job, you got two full-time jobs. God bless you and help you and be with you and strengthen you. But if you work outside the home and uh, you are maybe a single woman or you're a married woman and your husband has not told you in the last 10 years that you look nice, and you walk in tomorrow morning, and there they are. <gasps> look how nice you look. Oh, my goodness. Look, everybody. And all of a sudden, <gasps> inside, the words impact your life. And you think, oh, he's so kind to say that. No, he's not. Look at him. Tomorrow, if he says something, look at him. And I've said to you before, look real close. Because growing out right here are two horns. Just don't go over and feel them. Just know that they are there. I promise you, all right? So, uh, number two, immorality is deceptive. Immorality is deceptive. Uh, deception is thinking you're right when you're wrong. All right, deception is when you think you're right, but you are seriously wrong. And there are a lot of people that are deceived because they are believing a lie. Deception is mainly believing a lie. And uh, so it is deceptive. It is what your passions, your, the, the, your flesh thinks one thing, and it is totally, completely wrong. Proverbs chapter 7, 6 through 9, let's read it. And so Solomon is taking it from the glance that he's looking out. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youth a young man devoid of understanding. A young man had no understanding. The guy was just plain stupid, uh, void of all understanding. And he passes along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. Uh, letter A, it blocks the flow, this deceptive immorality. It blocks the flow of common sense. It blocks the flow. It affects the brain. All right, a letter B, it is more apparent to others than even to us. We may not even, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Uh, Many umpteen years and umpteen years and years and years ago, um, 
a young lady demanded that her husband come see me. And uh, I liked this guy. I, I haven't seen him in years and years and years and years, but I liked him and I still have an affectionate place in my heart toward him. But he had fallen into deception, but he could not see it. And he met somebody at work and he said, we're friends. But it happened to be she was a woman and um, he said, we're just friends. And he'd tell his wife because she expressed concern. She's just a friend, honey. She's just a friend. I'm deceived. I, I, I can't see. I'm blind. I, I'm devoid of understanding right now. But she's just a friend. And the wife, of course, didn't believe it. And so she brings him to me to straighten out as if I, you know, the miracle worker. All right, so, and he comes in and I'm like, okay, um, so you say she's just a friend. So, okay, well, tell me uh, what's, what's happening. I mean, you just talking at work? Well, no, we sometimes go out. Okay, um, you do know and understand that my wife wouldn't let me go out with some other woman. Um, no, I don't go out with some other, me and some other woman. No, no, no. I went to Taco Bell years ago and a woman in our church came in and she came over and sat at my table and I was like, oh, 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 oh my God, oh, my God, my God, help me. That my wife doesn't walk into Taco Bell and no other church people do. God, get me out of here. I ain't at my taco and get out of here. And she didn't think anything of it. She was a nice lady, but I was like, oh, my God, get me out of here. Um, so where am I at? All right, so anyway, all right, I'm back to this woman wanting me to straighten her husband out. And so I'm like, you go out? Yeah, well, I mean, we just go out and have dinner or something, just talk. <laughs> and I'm like, um, okay. And the deception was such at a point that then I just get totally disgusted. And, and I didn't handle it well, I admit now. And I admitted it back then too. But uh, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, I, was, I called it righteous indignation. It was just mad, I think. And so, but I just thought, how, do you think I'm stupid? No, you're the one stupid. If anybody's stupid here, it's you, not me. And it's not your wife. I'm not stupid. She's not stupid. I shouldn't use the word stupid. But Solomon said, void of, devoid of understanding. That's kind of stupid. All right, so anyway, it's, he just says it nicer. He was devoid of understanding, all right, about this particular subject. And so I tried my best to convince him, please, please don't do this anymore. Your marriage, your wife doesn't feel comfortable with this, please. And, and, you, and finally, I'm like, you're not fooling me. She's not a friend. You're interested. You, you might as well tell it. Cough it up, buddy. And he's like, she is a friend. And finally, I said something like, if you love your kids, and I shouldn't have, but I'm like, if you love your kids, you, you'll come to your senses and I thought that would shake him about mentioning his kids. Deception is a horrible thing. Deception. And God help any of us and all of us not to fall into it because we're all human beings who can fall into deception. Every one of us. And so God help us all. But 
He had fallen into such deception that even the, the thought of losing his kids as, as a couple didn't shake him out of that deception. It happened gradually, slowly, decision after decision after decision. And so um, I pray to God today he has come to his senses and broken out of that bondage of deception that can ensnare any of us. And then, uh, number three, immorality is hurtful to others. The woman um, is degraded by her conduct. We're talking about the harlot that swayed this man in the story. The husband of the woman, well, I should, well, yes, she was a harlot. All right, so the husband is betrayed by her infidelity. Any children involved are impacted. Uh, this impacts everybody involved and then beyond. Um, and so may God help all of us. And there's a reason, Solomon, and I go back to this, there's a reason he keeps going back to this. And notice what happens next. The woman says to the man, I have a peace offering. Proverbs 7, 14, I have peace offerings with me. Today, I have paid my vows. Now, what in the world's going on? This woman that is out, her husband's gone on a long trip and has a bag of money. She is meeting someone and she is looking for him, specifically for him. She said, I found you. She was looking for him. And so she says, I have peace offerings with me. When the sacrifice was brought before the priest, the blood was shed, the fat uh, was burned, the priest took the shoulder and the breast of the animal, and the rest of the animal was generally in a peace offering given back to the one presenting it to take it back to the family and uh, for their, them to eat it. So she is saying, I come with peace offerings. I've been to the temple and offered a peace offering. In other words, this is okay. Literally, she'd been to the temple. She'd been to church. She says, I paid my vows, verse 14. I paid my vows. Today, I paid my vows. The implication is that she has peace with God, that the man, by partaking with her, would commit no sin, deception. Number three, she says, I've come forth to meet you, Proverbs 7, 15. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. Solomon knows, and I'm, dear God, help, dear God, help, dear God, help. You may not need this, but I'm telling you, you're going to meet people that need what I'm about to say. And Solomon knew it. He knows that people who share familiar settings can become too familiar. Think about the tragedies that have happened at work. Why? People work together. Maybe for years, a familiarity takes place. Things, you know, cautions, boundaries collapse or are lowered. Um, and it can happen at work and does happen all over this city and every city in America. It happens, the familiarity. And so Solomon is saying, 
Beware, beware, beware. The woman is gone to the temple. She's gone to church. She's come away. She went with peace offer, a peace offering, and she paid her vow. It can happen with neighbors. It can happen even at church. A familiarity. Um, and she says, number four, the good man of the house is gone. He's gone, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. This woman uses every means to incite the passions of the young man, including worship, food, and the prospect of sexual fulfillment in his life. And so she is using everything at her disposal to try to break down. And she may not even be aware, and no doubt isn't, that there is a real devil, whether it was back during Solomon's day or today, there's a real devil and real demons that desire to defeat us all and to desire for people to succumb to things that not only affect them, but affect someone else and their kids and these kids and future generations to come. Uh, immorality leads to an outcome of death for all involved, some measure of death. I'm not talking necessarily just physical death, which it does, but the word says in verse 21, with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield, enticing speech. With her flattering lips, she, should, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter. He, an ox doesn't know where he's going. An ox has no idea. He's just going, following, or being driven to a place of slaughter. He has no idea. And so Solomon says, just like an ox going to the slaughter, he went after her, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost him his life. And uh, there is even the reference of venereal uh, diseases here, struck the liver, uh, and so all kind of things taking place. Solomon is doing his best to get these young men to understand the best thing they can do is to marry the right woman and stay married and be a blessing to each other and their kids for a lifetime. All right. The overture is bright with promise. The epilogue is dark with defeat. Um, the conclusion, reject the seductive opportunity, it leads to death. And one more scripture. Um, now, therefore, verse 24, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Solomon, all right, now listen, listen. Like a teacher standing before the class, Solomon's saying, now listen to me, because this is important. This is going to affect your life. This is going to change the outcome of your life. Now listen to me. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways or his ways. Do not stray into her path, his path. For she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house, look at this, her house, Solomon says, her house. You want to know how to get to hell? You don't have to use ways. It's through her house, all right? The house is the way to hell. Descending to the chambers of death. Four great men who fell in the Bible, Samson. God had 
great God used him to deliver the nation, but it wasn't the way in which he had planned. And so it was because he fell to the lies and the seductions of a woman. And so Samson fell, David fell, uh, you know, I shouldn't say it, but anyway, David, Bathsheba. You know, just because her name was Bathsheba didn't mean she could take a bath anywhere she wanted to, all right? So anyway, I know it's corny, but I still like it, all right? Number two, David. Number three, Solomon. Oh, my Lord, Solomon, come on. Even him with all this wisdom succumbs in the end himself. Herod, Herod, King Herod, King Herod, dealing with Jesus said. And almost going to set him free, but doesn't. Uh, he stole Herod. Uh, not, no, I'm not talking about Pilate. Herod. Uh, he stole his brother's wife. Herod did. Uh, that's pretty bad. You can't go home for Thanksgiving after that. So uh, I don't know. This really impacted this family. Now think about it. He stole his brother's wife. Hey, you coming home for Christmas? No, not this year. All right, so, or next, or next, or next, or the next. The temptation to sexual immorality is universal. Um, it can happen anywhere, and God help us. You know, um, I haven't told it in a long time, but Marilyn Hickey told this story, and I heard her tell it years ago, um, where she said there was a man in their church that, was obviously interested, intrigued by her. And Marilyn Hickey, she's a, she's a great preacher. She's still going to Pakistan. I think she went to Pakistan the last time, had like a million people in her crusade. Marilyn Hickey is a great and powerful woman of God. But this was years ago. And, and you know, she's no Hollywood star, starlet, uh, and, you know, and uh, just an average-looking woman. And so she said this man was showing interest in her, and she was wanted to stay away. But one night, it was late after church, and uh, he says, can I, uh, you know, she, her husband had to stay late. He was the pastor, and um, she was, of course, the pastor's wife. And this man said, well, I can take you home. And she's like, well, no, that's okay. And then uh, she said, I went to ask my husband because I knew he would say no. And when I went to ask him, he said, sure, let him take you home. And she was like, oh, my Lord, what am I going to do? And so she let him take her home. And they, he said, well, I'd, I'd like to stop at this restaurant. Let's stop. And she's like, oh, my God, have mercy. I'm going to get my husband when I get home and let, you know, tell him that he put me in an awkward situation. And they go in to the restaurant, and they're sitting there, and he says to her, I have feelings or something similar. And Marilyn blacked out kind of like I did many, many moons ago. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, she said something far wiser than me. I was young. She was a little bit older. All right. So she had much more wisdom at that point in her life. And she said something by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. She said, no, you're not. And he said, what do you mean? She said, no, you are not. You are drawn to the anointing on my life because you love God. And the anointing 
draws you and it being on my life. You have gotten confused. Being drawn to the anointing versus being drawn to me. And I'm, I heard that and I'm like, oh, Marilyn, you are brilliant. <laughs> I wish I had known that. I could have said, no, you're not. It's the anointing. You don't like me. I could have said that, but I didn't. And I'm like, Marilyn, you know, you're just a little late, 15 or so years. But when I heard that, I just thought, see, it can even, the enemy can confuse people. He was deceived. And really it was. He was drawn to the anointing. Um, and uh, God help us. See, you and I and none of us, that's why preachers, evangelists, televangelists, women, men, both, that are used of God are no better than anybody sitting in this pew or any of our custodians. We are no better. And matter of fact, we may want to get behind um, the custodian for some reason in glory because God hands out rewards differently than we do. God measures the, the whole thing differently than we do. So we're not to get caught up with evangelists, preachers, uh, televangelists. We're not to get caught up with them. And whether they're a man or a woman, they're just doing what God has called them to do, just like you're doing what God's called you to do. And those of you that pray around this altar, you are anointed, and I bless you, and I thank God for you, and uh, thank God. So never, ever, 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 if somebody starts to get caught up with some preacher at some point, when you're around, you just stop them and say, now listen, let me tell you a story about Marilyn Hickey. All right, so uh, years ago, Pastor told this, and uh, here's, I'm going to tell you, you are not, you know, you're drawn to the anointing. You're drawn to the spirit. You're not drawn to the person. So don't you start thinking they're high and mighty because they're not. They're just a servant just like you are because that's what Paul said. I am chief servant among you. So, amen, we're all in this thing together and bless the name of the Lord. Nobody's better than somebody else and so we're not to be enraptured. We're not to be caught up enraptured with somebody that stands behind a pulpit. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, help all of us. Help everybody in this church, God, to walk in the power, the life-changing power of godly wisdom. God, help us to allow that wisdom to bring discipline. Help us to be cautious, circumspect, right thinking, right acting. God, have mercy on all of us as we walk before you. God, have mercy on all of us. And I pray that none in this building within the sound of my voice or over the airwaves or in the atrium or anywhere else that hears this in the days to come. I pray, oh Lord God, that they would not fall into deception. God, May we be discerning, not only of good, but of those things that would tend to mar our minds and darken our thoughts. God help us. 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 Stand with us, please, everyone.
Everyone all over the building, stand with us, please. And as always, we're going to open, we're going to open these altars. And listen, if you're in this building, you don't know Christ, first and foremost challenge is, in this church, it's about souls, souls, souls. Then it's about discipling those souls, 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 and uh, growing them in the things of God. But we got to reach them first. So this church, based on missions far and wide, not only home but foreign, but it starts right here. And if you're in this building and you don't know Christ, I want to challenge you as soon as Pastor John starts to lead us. I want to challenge you. Slip into that aisle. Make your way to this altar. Come to this altar and say, Lord, I need forgiveness. I need to get right in my heart and life with you. And then maybe there are other needs in your life. Who knows what it might be. It may be relational. May be financial, it may be emotional, it may be whatever. You're, maybe you're just coming to pray for somebody else. But if you feel and sense the Holy Spirit saying, Step out, just step out. There is something about stepping out in faith. So, especially if you need Christ, make your way to this altar as Pastor John leads.